0: Hello and welcome to this interview special episode of TechEU podcast. I am your host, Andre Degeler, and today I would like to play two interviews with startups from very different parts of Europe, namely Finland and France. You are about to discover a whole bunch of topics from sustainable finance to lift maintenance and everything in between, and I am sure that you're going to like this one. So the first conversation today is with Jade Francine, the co-founder and COO of Maintain.
1: I'm Jade. Uh, I'm the CEO and the co-founder of uh, We Maintain. Uh, we Maintain is actually uh, a startup uh, in the field of the most common mode of transportation, which is not the car, which is not bike, but it's actually elevators. And we are a new player in that field. Uh, so what we do is that we leverage the tech to deliver a better service. So we started three years ago in Paris, and now we operate in Paris and London. That we open during the like the pandemic, we opened four months ago. This is it for the introduction.
0: Right, right. So I read your I read your LinkedIn profile, and uh, it appears that you're you're a lawyer, right? So, you know, by by training and by by experience. Yes. What? Why? Why on earth would a lawyer uh, co-found a startup that does lift maintenance?
1: Uh, yeah, it's a very good question. Uh, so I was actually working in a law firm, uh, in China, in Shanghai, and most of my clients were people in the tech. Um, they were entrepreneurs, uh, people in the startups. So I spent a lot of time with them and I got really excited about all, like all their projects. And, you know, at some point I was like, yeah, I'd like to have a project too, something with a, like, pretty big impact. Obviously, there were not many women. So I was thinking it'd be better to have women, so maybe I can just start with myself, you know, and uh, to join the tech scene. And then the project came because I met my co-founder uh, Benoit. Uh, he was working for the m- a major leaf company, and he explained to me about the an- the industry, how broken it was actually. And I got a bit excited because I could see like we could leverage the tech, uh, and also at some point we could have we could do something with an impact because there was a lot of issue r- around like how do you treat lift engineers so that was it i mean, i think it just convinced me and that was it yeah so yeah definitely there was nothing to do with my legal background uh, <laughs> but it was also very interesting to discuss like every time we had discussion you know like because he was in the industry for so long and i was i had a totally new eyes uh, and every time we discussed i kept like challenging trying to understand and actually, a lot of things wouldn't make sense at all. And I was also bringing my view, you know, how you can serve better, how you can use the tech, how you can be more efficient. And little by little, I was like, yeah, let's, let's, let's do it. So yeah,
0: Right. So what is it uh, exactly that's uh, broken in the industry and that you're uh, trying to fix?
1: So if you look at the lift uh, industry, it's mainly dominated by four major players. Uh, They've been dominating the industry for ages. The biggest player, I think, was created 165 years ago. So, and they're still number one. So they're quite big. And the fact that you have that market with so many players. What's funny, actually, that if you look at the lift, it's everywhere. Like, if you look at the real estate, it's, it's, you don't have like new modern city without a lift. You don't have any building without a lift but you have so many players involved uh to to provide services you, you don't have much competition with, uh, within that market so what's broken is that customers mainly uh building managers uh property uh managers property owners they don't have the service they qu- they require because you don't have enough uh stakeholders involved uh, so what they complained about is that the lack of transparency it's really hard to get data to get information on what's going on what they have to what do they have to to pay for some repair they don't really understand uh also the lack of reactivity uh on field so when you have any call out or breakdown it takes usually ages to get it repaired uh so that's that's that part it was the the first uh, first aspect that we came and we solved that. We solved that issues. And now uh, it's all about the data. Like when you talk to property owners and managers, what they want to know is like, what's going on? Uh, How is my building uh, occupied? What's going on? And the lift is actually a very good source of information because it's like the the backbone, you know, of the building. So it can give you a lot of information, Uh, especially during the pandemic. People want to know, is my building empty or is that full? Are people coming back to the office? Uh, and we can provide that information because we put some IoT sensors on the lift, so we know that, and it's useful, yeah.
0: Right. So, and uh, I'm still trying to figure it out. Uh, how exactly did you fix the issues that the industry yes. had? What's the offering like?
1: Yeah, sure, sure. Okay, so the the, the main offering is actually uh, maintenance services. So you have to know that all the lifts everywhere in the world, they need a maintenance contract. So it's pretty basic. And in that contract, you need a uh, preventive maintenance. So it means you need a lift engineer going on site. He can do some repair, he can do some maintenance. And what happened in industry is that most of lift engineers, they have too many units to maintain. So don't, they don't really have time to do their job properly. Also, they don't have the digital tools to send information to the customers. So uh, when lift engineers go on site, uh, they're always in a hurry. It's hard for them to send the proper information to the right person. So what we decide to do is that we give less unit to the uh, lift engineers and they are financially incentivized to do the job. And also every time they go on site, they have the app and that from that app, they can send real time information, real time photo comments. They have all the history on what happened on the lift. So it's really like a TLM service for the customer. So that's the basic It's just maintenance services, but. The way we <laughs> improve that service is also thanks to the tech, thanks to the IoT. Uh, so we place IoT sensor on the lift. It can give a lot of information to the customers on what's happening in the building, as I told you, like what about the traffic? Is the building full, empty? Is the equipment too much used? So then you will have to prepare for some capex, you know. So it's all about that. So what we do is that we improve the service thanks to all that data that are sent to the customers. And it makes sense because today, as I told you, as the industry is a bit broken, they have really no information what's going on. But the lift is actually critical. <laughs> they really need to know what's going on because it's it's expensive. It's a thirty five billion US dollar market. So it's a huge market, but very with a very low quality service. So they expect they expect that, like service on site and the data.
0: Right. So you are a lift maintenance company that is doing things better than the old traditional companies. What do you mean when you say that you incentivize uh, the lift engineers to do the job? I mean, they are incentivized in any, any way, right? Because they uh, get their salaries and stuff like that? Uh,
1: not exactly, actually. In most uh, lift companies, whether or not the lift engineer uh, does his job properly, it doesn't get like any bonus. So they're not really... Really strongly, how to say, motivated by the job they do because it doesn't have any financial impact on what they receive. Uh, so also in the industry, you have like very, very high margin, like double number margins, like around 40% in the maintenance, but huh? the lift engineers don't get such financial reward. So you have like this pretty strong resentment. I have to, yes, that, that that's the case. So the fact that they get the value of what they create, it's a very strong like motivation from them they have the time they have the right tools they also have like the value of the job they create, of what they do it really changed the 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 mindset
0: right well now i have to say that the industry itself does not really sound like one that would be very open to sort of disruption and uh, new approaches Uh, how hard is it uh, to work in this uh, industry for you
1: good question i mean it is hard because you, you, you have, it's regulated industry, so you need to understand all the regulation. That's why we, we, I mean, uh, Benoit, my co-founder, is also from the industry. You need to have the right lift engineers, uh, and then you need to have a very strong tech to be able to convince, uh, customers. So that, that's the hard part. But then on the other side, like all the customers everywhere in the world, they have the same issues. Mainly, as I told you, lack of transparency, lack of reactivity. So once you have a good offer, you can just deploy. And I think it's what we're doing right now. And once, and what's interesting also is that in the real estate, you have very big players, like key real estate players, uh, and they have buildings everywhere. And once they like your service, you can just expand, you know. And it's it's what happened, actually. We were working in Paris with some uh, real estate people, and they said, oh, we like what we do. Why don't you come to London? Because we have the same issues with our lift in London. So this is
0: what we did. Right. And yeah, it's a, it's a bit of an odd timing that you've chosen to launch in London. I suppose there is not much um, of a demand for uh, uh, commercial real estate uh, anywhere right now with the lockdown. So why did you decide to go ahead with it at all?
1: So we always had that idea that one day, like, uh, we maintain we'll go uh, <laughs> international because we are three co-founders and the three of us, we used to work abroad. So we like saying that we maintain is not a French company. Uh, so from the very beginning, we plan everything to make sure that one day we can, we can just open a new city abroad. Of course, the pandemic came and we discussed like which city, when, why, uh, but the fact that we had we customer pushing and also that we found the right people. So we found our, our MD in London, and there was still ongoing discussion with customers. We say, you know, it's actually a local business. You need people on the ground. Uh, and we have, you, you have this, the tech that can help you to scale. You know, with the tech, you don't have to be, we French people, we didn't have to go to London because, because everything could be done remotely for the tech. We say, well, we have the right people on the ground. They can maintain the lift. They can convince customers. At the same time, we have the tech. The tech is ready from day one. So just let's do it.
0: Okay. And, uh, and how has it been so far?
1: Quite successful. Uh, also exciting, I have to say, because we can see like from like most of the team is actually based in Paris and we can see the business in London is growing re- really, really fast. Uh, twice faster than when we did in, in Paris. But we can, We still. We haven't met a lot of people in London. So I mean, of course, we're still discussing, and we got like feedback from customers based in London. So we never. I mean, we people in Paris never talk to them. So it's uh, super exciting. Also, like the feedback we got from the lift engineers, saying that finally they find a company like where they really enjoy their jobs. I think is is a real satisfaction. Yeah.
0: Right. So are you the only player on the market doing something like this? Uh, what's the competition for you like?
1: Uh, so actually the, the biggest competition we have is, uh, with the four major players, uh, cause, uh, our biggest, uh, customers are on the commercial real estate. So when we compete, when we have tenders, we always face, uh, the same competition, uh, where they are, you know, the competitors are Otis, Connie, Schindler. So I think we're just getting used to it and you don't have a lot of players in that, a lot of new players or not even like started in that industry. Because as I told you, you need to know the regulation. You need to know how to get the the right lift engineers, how to talk to customers. Um, the tech also, like all the data strategy that you have to put in place. Uh, it takes a lot of time. So, so far, we don't have like uh, any competitors, like new competitors. But of course, I remain super careful. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Okay. And uh, then, what's uh, what's the future like for you? What's uh, what's the what's on the roadmap? Are you going to expand further? Or are you going to I don't know expand uh, uh, horizontally uh, through different industries? What's it going to be like?
1: So we have a pretty clear roadmap, which is like going to other uh, international cities because we have the same customers, uh, and mm-hmm. they are pushing us. So the market, what's interesting, you have, like, two major markets in the lift industry, uh, which are Europe and Asia. Uh, So we're still checking. It also depends on the pandemic. Like, uh, we go, like, to Germany, Brussels, Spain, or what about, like, Asia, especially because uh, Benoit used to work in Asia for for some time. So we're still uh, looking. You know, I think we have a checklist, you know, how many lift, Lift engineers, customers, like every, like regulation. And once every, every box is ticked, we're like, okay, let's go to that country. Uh, so we're working on that. What we can see also is that we have a request from customers about like expanding our offers to uh, other verticals, such as automatic doors, uh, HVAC. Uh, so it, it's a bit early to be honest. Uh, but our name is we maintain meaning that we we can do like it's all about maintenance regulated maintenance It's not only about lift uh so that's something also we we consider super carefully uh how to expand and to offer more like to our customers because uh, you have the same issues in other maintenance industries you still have that issue like you need a good service on the ground you need some data and and today it's it's hard for our customers to to get it
0: Right. Understood. Jade, thank you so much for answering the questions. Thanks a lot for joining today and uh, good luck. Good luck with We Maintain.
1: Thank you. Thanks a lot.
0: And the second interview that I would like to share with you today is with Matti Ranko, uh, the founder and CEO at a company called Cooler Future. My name is Matti Ranko. I am
2: the founder and CEO of a company called Cooler Future. And my background comes from, I guess, startup and growth company industry. So I used to be a CEO of an e-commerce technology company called Nostra Solutions before. And before that, I I used to work for the different rocket internet ventures and uh, actually worked five years for the different companies started by the Samberg Brothers. And, uh, well, I studied economics, but but then through a couple of twists and turns, ended up in a startup growth company industry. And I guess I'm somewhat back to my roots now, finally, with Cooler Future. I always like to say that I'm not good at anything, but I guess as a company builder, you need to be able to do a, a little bit of everything. So I've, I guess I'm kind of specialized in building teams and companies uh, across the globe.
0: Well, th- this is certainly a specialization that's in demand right now.
2: I hope so. I hope so.
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> what is cooler future then? What is it that you're trying to achieve there?
2: Yeah. So, so maybe if I start from kind of the I already meant, went through my own background, but, but mm-hmm. I guess my my turn from you know the the, the e-commerce tech and other like type of B two B and B two C uh, startups. I've been, like I said, I've been building companies across the globe and I've been flying a lot around the world and so on. And definitely I'm not proud of my carbon footprint uh, from, from some, of the, some of the recent years. And uh, especially in the last year, I started thinking about a lot about uh, the environment and climate change. And I, I guess being a Finn, you know, environmental matters are kind of close to our heart and nature in general. And, and then uh, started thinking about uh, the values and, and and so on and how could I contribute into something something better through a couple of twists and turns then ended up uh, actually quitting my previous job and wanting to do something on the, on this space and uh, and then took took some time off and uh, then we started uh speaking with the former colleague of mine on this on this idea around cooler future and that's kind of where it all started and our thinking really starts from Like, what can individuals do to stop climate change? Like, what can you and me actually do? And like like everyone, we went through the usual suspects of what we can do, like, which is more consumption-related items, you know, buy less Mm -hmm. stuff, change our diet, uh, fly less, drive less, all of these things that make complete sense. But then we thought, okay, what if we want to do something more? What is out there? And then we talked about voting, which, you know, I guess uh, governments have had quite a long time already to solve this climate change matter. Uh, Then we talked about activism in in different formats and, and realized that that's not maybe for everyone. But then we ended up talking about the footprint and impact of money. And we realized a couple of things. So we realized. First of all, that uh, I think this is clear to you, but, but the general uh, understanding of, of, of personal finance and investing and saving uh, within, you know, for example, the European population in general is, is quite, quite low. Then when it comes to the kind of positive impact of finance or impact on climate change uh, for that matter, when you are retail investors, so to say, so you want to invest some tens or hundreds of euros or save uh, per month, for example, you have very limited selection of actual impact products that quantify the impact uh, and not just have a green label on them. And the third part is like this is kind of counterintuitive. So people kind of think that if they buy uh, fair trade bananas versus Chiquita or they, they buy a, a fair trade coffee in a reusable muck versus uh, regular coffee, they think that they're saving the world which is kind of, obviously, it's small actions that count, but then they might have 20,000 euro on their saving account or investments, and they don't think that that has an impact, which is which is odd, right? Mm-hmm. So we kind of looked into this and thought there's something here. So what we would like to do with Cooler Future is we would like to do our, our part in saving the planet from climate change, and how we would like to do that is by turn individuals into climate activist investors. So that's that's our aim.
0: Mm-hmm. So, uh, and about uh, money footprint, I'm just trying to to understand it fully and also to uh, to have it a bit more <clears throat> understandable for everybody listening. So, if I had these twenty thousand euros on my savings account sitting there and no investments, no nothing, what sort of carbon footprint are we talking about here?
2: Well, it really depends. It really depends, kind of, obviously, where where your money is. Like, is it is it purely in the bank, or are you actively investing in in some companies and so on? So. It really. No, let, let's
0: say let's say it's just sitting there, like no nobody is using it. It's just sitting there on that savings account. It, does it actually have any carbon footprint uh, in and of itself?
2: Well, it it has a carbon footprint that you are not controlling in any way because the bank is obviously using your money on the account to fund other projects, and this is a a scaringly big misbelief that that people actually have. So, a huge part of the people that we actually validated the idea before even founding the company, they actually said. Uh, in our validation that, well, my money doesn't have a footprint because it's just on my bank account. So there's actually this belief that there's like a vault somewhere where the money is kind of sitting. And I guess we could discuss that even that paper or metal money has some kind of a footprint anyway. But that's kind of the, 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 the big belief here. So so it's it's kind of like the, the scary thing with savings and investing is that that's related to impact, is that if you have savings and you keep it on your bank account, somebody's doing something with your money. And unless you take control of that yourself, you know y- you can't be sure that it actually aligns in any way with your values. To, to kind of answer your uh, question on the amount, uh, I guess a classic example that we looked at was that if your money is invested in, say, a kind of MSCI, All Country World Index uh, fund and let's say you have 10,000 euro invested there which is like if we think of you know German households i think it's somewhere north of 20,000 on average that they have in in cash and the footprint of that money is 1.8 tons per year now if you switch from an average european gasoline powered car to an electric car the impact of that is 1.3 tons hmm. or if you avoid one uh, trans and at- atlantic flights depending on of course calculation model it's 0. 0.9 tons so actually the the money has a, 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 has a pretty big impact on your, on your footprint.
0: Right. Okay, this is, uh, this is, uh, this is uh, clear and uh, this is really interesting. And so we come to Cooler Future. So what is it actually doing? What is the product like?
2: Yeah, so like I mentioned, we want to uh, save the planet by turning people into climate activist investors and how we want to do that. So we're, we're, we're kind of doing three things. So we're actually in the process of, of setting up our own first investment fund. Uh, It Mm -hmm. will be a a climate impact first fund uh, where we will invest in um, different asset classes, both equity and and green bond instruments as well. And we kind of try to go beyond the traditional ESG uh, exclusion criteria that exists in the market by really finding the the, the kind of companies that take climate change seriously. And uh, to be more precise, we want to put a third metric with our fund next to risk and return which is the climate impact and the first metric that we want to use is going to be the reduction on 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 the emissions that these different assets actually generate so we are looking across most of the industries, of course, we exclude some some industries, I guess, like, uh, you know, purely fossil fuel industries and so on, uh, you know, doesn't doesn't make much sense in this type of a fund. But we're trying to find across all industries, the companies who take climate change seriously, uh, and and they have uh, already some track in reducing their carbon footprint through different means, and they have a uh, validated forward-looking plans for reducing their emissions. And uh, therefore, we can actually quantify somehow these actions that companies are doing because we believe what's kind of missing from sustainable finance currently and the products in the market is, is, the, is the metric, right? So there's that fund that we are building up. Currently, is not uh, finalized yet. Uh, secondly, we provide obviously uh, the technology to enable anyone to invest. So we are building an application that enables people to start investing in in one go, including all, all obviously the all regulatory requirements in terms of KYC and so on. Uh, and then, uh, apart from actually to start investing, we want to provide people the opportunity to not only follow the financial performance of of the investment, but also the the impact or the carbon reduction that is generated through the companies in our investment fund and then a the third part is kind of what you see already now on our website and social media channels and so on where we're trying to educate so I think what came clear early on in our discussion already that there's definitely education needed on on, on this topic so we're trying to kind of uh, create understandable form of content and uh, you know information and, and like a community that um, helps people uh, with with starting off the Climate impact investing. So that's what we're going to do,
0: right? And uh, when uh, uh, when this uh, uh, when this launches, uh, which markets, geographic markets, are you going to be active on?
2: Uh, we are launching first in Germany, uh, mm-hmm. but
0: we have uh, built a setup where
2: we can expand across across Europe. Then in the in the coming years, but the first first opening market uh, will be will be the German market.
0: Why Germany? Why not Finland?
2: Well, I think the first easy answer is five million people versus eighty million people. So I think that's <laughs> <laughs> if we want to maximize the impact uh through through this fund, uh the positive climate impact, then obviously uh Germany Germany is interesting. Uh, so that's you know by far the biggest biggest market and uh in 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 Europe. And um I think it's also quite I think the atmosphere in Germany in terms of, you know, fintech and so on is 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 very good currently and 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 you know across all parts of of business I think it's uh it's a good market currently for for launching launching this type of a product. So so obviously we could have been first in the Nordics as well but specifically the market size is uh, is is obviously quite interesting and and our our leading goal is is the Uh, is the CO2 uh, equivalent reduction. So obviously the bigger masses we can get uh, behind this, the the bigger impact we can have overall and then on, on kind of changing the market as well because in the end what we would like to accomplish is that we could... This now sounds very arrogant for a, for a small fintech startup, but like we would like to be able to drive a change in the financial industry, to add that third quantified metric of climate impact into the equation of risk and return as well. We believe that someone is doing that then, and, and hopefully, hopefully it will be us.
0: Right. And uh, just out of curiosity, like on the technical level, how is it all going to look like? Are you actually going to like raise a fund from all these retail investors? Uh, How how are you going to structure it?
2: Yeah, so as as mentioned, obviously the fund isn't live yet, so it's it's limited on on what we can say in terms of the details of the fund at the moment. But uh, it's a retail focused fund, so we 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 focus especially on building a product that is, it's it's uh, easy for people to get access to, and we want to make it extremely transparent because I think that's apart from the quantified metrics, that's the other thing that is completely missing on the on the sustainable finance side currently. So it's it's a lot the about just adding a green stamp into things that are not actually necessary green so we will have full transparency into our process and also in terms of the contents uh, contents of the of the fund as well but of course we have we have some some interested family offices and high net worth individuals and even some institution who have who have already declared their interest on on what we do so so obviously this 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 fund is is open for for anyone
0: Right. And uh, for the uh, for the consumer uh, consumer facing uh, part of the products of this investment app, uh, do you see a lot of interest?
2: Yeah, definitely. I I think well, if you look at the growth in sustainable uh, finance and kind of impact investing overall, it has it has been quite big and, and I think there's um there are more there's more and more conscious consumers consumers out there. And I think through that, there's also more and more people who actually who actually like set their values in front of their investment decisions as well. Uh, and the problem is that there isn't necessarily the easy access or, 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 or the right products for this currently. so so uh, based on our research, which is obviously bias always, <laughs> we, we of course believe that there is a market but but that can be seen in the uh, even though we we believe that the pure ESG uh, 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 investing uh, alone isn't enough, we can see a huge uh, increase in the ESG in investment as well through through households and, and retail investors so the market is absolutely there. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Uh, so, and still, uh, usually when you uh, look at the uh, audience at the target addressable market, you sort of build this persona or multiple personas of people who would be interested in your service. So what's uh, what's your average user like? What sort of persona have you built for yourselves?
2: Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. So, if we think of really the kind of first customer who we believe will be the first one to to invest, we think that it's obviously a conscious in, individual, like I said, who's already uh, you know making the the climate conscious choices in their life and uh, kind of wants to do more and has some spare income. It doesn't need to be a big amount. It could be 20 to 30 euros per month that they actually want to invest. They don't necessarily need to be, they can be, but they don't need to be, Experienced investor or follow the financial market or, or on on day to day basis because our our purpose is to create this transparent product that is easy to follow and 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 kind of like we have also an experienced team managing the fund so the so so people shouldn't have to wor- worry about it and that's that's kind of the ideal customer that we're going for I think the age range is quite big it's anything from twenty plus to 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 fifty or even even beyond that. But having said that i i think outside of that i think the interesting thing also with our product is uh, is that even even for professional investors or any any uh, smart investor who follows the market climate change poses obviously a massive risk for anyone's portfolio so uh, through our product we also believe that we can provide a type of a climate hedge for for the for the investors as well because we we are actively Trying to find the climate, uh, uh, you know, uh, climate winners or the companies taking climate change seriously. So, so obviously, it is there for um, uh, interesting as a, uh, for the professional investor as well. And 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 finally, I would like to see the situation where we could turn some of the climate change skeptics into our product as well. Because uh, I know this is maybe going to sound horrible, but there is people out there who think that uh, climate change. What's in it for me? Mm-hmm. Uh I'm not saying that you and me think like that, but there are people out there and If those people uh, invest through our product and that helps them create this climate hedge and make them understand the massive problem of of climate change, then I think uh that that would be we would be happy with that as well,
0: right. Right. So you said earlier as well that uh, so you want to make this impact investing sort of the new status quo. You said that you uh, want to change uh, the way the financial industry is working right now. So let us imagine that it has already happened. So let's imagine we're living in the world uh, uh, where everyone uh, invests uh, through Cooler Future and similar apps. What? How would the world be different if that happens? So, so, so what's your like? What's your vision of that uh, perfect world for a cooler future? Like,
2: oh wow! Well, I I think first of all, uh, how would the world be different? I think the less different the world is in terms of weather and extreme conditions that we have now, the better job we have done. So, to answer your question, how it would be different? I hope very little different. Uh, I I guess that's the first first answer. I think couple of other things that uh, in a, in a in a perfect world I, I would love to see is that like i said we would have have really changed the changed the industry so we have the third metric that that guides the financial industry uh, we have done our part in educating and researching the more sustainable lifestyle and uh, produced a completely new way additional way to 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 create positive impact the, the kind of polluters, the polluting companies would be outvoted with the household's money and and, and there would be a, a transparent and standardized climate reporting in place that is the normal requirement for all companies globally. You know, maybe a last thing. We believe that through this type of investment product, and, and getting people to to to, to on board with uh, with with investing uh, some of their money into into climate change uh, uh, mitigating assets, we have also contributed to a, a kind of new, more fair split of wealth at, at at the same time as well. So that will be obviously the ideal situation. And and then if things have gone really really well, hopefully we would be in a situation where. We have millions and millions of people who, who trust Cooler Future and, and, and hopefully other similar platforms uh, creating transparent impact through investing. And we could start also guiding that group of people into new impact targets because uh, when, when we have first solved climate change, I'm sure there will be other items in the world that we need to focus on as well. But let's, let's focus, on, focus on climate first
0: right yeah that makes a lot of sense thank you and uh, so i also wanted to talk a little bit just about yourself and your own experience and your own sort of entrepreneurial journey because it looks uh, it looks pretty interesting so you've spent a bunch of uh quite some time in uh in germany working for uh rocket and uh, the companies that were founded there what brought you there first of all and uh, what was it like
2: a pure coincidence uh, i guess I guess this is the point where I should tell an amazing story how I always mm-hmm. wanted to be an entrepreneur, and my parents and my grandparents were entrepreneurs, and you know I you know always had these ideas, and unfortunately i don't I don't have that story <laughs> um, pure coincidence to be honest, like I said, in the start, I studied economics, ended up working in a kind of financial slash uh, insurance company. Then ended up in kind of startup or i guess it was digital world back then now whole world is digital and then through a couple of twists and turns, I ended up in berlin and 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 working working there uh and uh you know there was no i you know this sounds horrible but i i didn't have like a major plan i just always tried to do my my job really well and then then i ended up you know building the first companies uh, with rocket and and uh you know it kind of kind of went from there and i guess like i always had this drive to learn new things and you know work in different uh different type of businesses so i i've actually worked with uh many people want to they find the industry that they want to stick in and then they stick with that i've always kind of i've been trying to look for different challenges as well from b to b to b to c and other way around and I think I've uh, hopefully learned a lot on the process. And obviously, like being at at, at Rocket and and building the companies there, it's uh, uh, it's obviously a, a you know a very interesting <laughs> experience in in many ways. And and you learn uh, you learn a ton, and you learn the speed of working and so on. And but in like in every other company, you also learn the things uh, how not to do things as well. <laughs> like in everything, so I think it's uh, it's been a fantastic journey so far. And then I I I, I don't know if it's getting middle aged or, or whatever, but uh, I guess it's the stronger and stronger look into into personal values. And uh, I was I was literally thinking, how could I drive more positive impact? And then I thought that okay, maybe I have some skill in building companies by now. And and when this idea came about, it was it was pretty straightforward too to do because i think that we need for the big problems of the world we need uh, all kinds of skills you know we need the scientists we need the, you know entrepreneurs we need the activists and, and we need all of these different people and i hope and hope that more and more entrepreneurs actually really look into the space and the companies and think of what they can do because my original thought was that Well, I'm not good at anything. So how can I actually do something in this space? Because this is this is ruled by extremely smart people who have brilliant ideas and how they're gonna who are like researchers and scientists and physicists and whatnot, and I'm not that. But there's a lot happening in this space and 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 I hope that more and more entrepreneurs who have been building other businesses before really get into the space because I think there's there's a lot of work there and it's quite rewarding to at least know that you're trying to do something even if we don't know if it's gonna work we believe so
0: and then for a cooler future you are back in finland right so you are uh, uh, now working uh, back on the home turf what are what are the big differences what can you see different between uh, the german ecosystem and the finnish ecosystem that you're working on now well size size
2: is the biggest (laughs) one of course like it's uh i mean the 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 amount of talent that Berlin has is obviously true. lots of the startups and and lots of the big success stories, of course, there's a huge amount of people who have been involved in building all kinds of different businesses already, and I think that's quite unique like compared to any other city or country in 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 europe at least so i think that's probably the biggest difference and yeah i think in terms of like the focus as well like in 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 finland i think there's a lot of lot of great technology and a lot of great technological ownership but i don't know if the finnish culture what but we are sometimes a bit too quiet about the create innovations that we have, and I think in if we think of Germany, there's more history and 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 especially in Berlin experience in then taking those companies and and businesses into the market. and then obviously it's it's much more wide selection of of different type of businesses as well in Berlin, of course compared to Helsinki. But uh, our team is actually split between uh, Helsinki and Berlin, so we we like to think we have the best of best of both sides.
0: Right. And you've got a sauna. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Which is the most right. important part, of course. <laughs> Indeed. Matzi, thank you so much. That was it for my questions. Thanks a lot uh, for joining. Thanks a lot for your input and uh, good luck uh, with, uh, with Cooler Future.
2: Thanks a lot for your time and we, we hope that we can do our share.
0: And this is it for our today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. I do hope that you enjoyed it. Please help us spread the word, tell a friend or colleague about the show and follow our updates on Twitter at tech underscore EU. Our music and audio engineering are done by Sound Pulse. That's sound-pulse.com. Check them out. Please feel free to email us with any questions, suggestions, and opinions at podcast@tag.eu. I will be back in your podcast app really soon with the next interview special. In the meantime, Merry Christmas. Stay safe, stay sane, and do take care. Bye-bye.